You're listening to the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast, your source for tips and tricks on building wealth through real estate in Connecticut. You will get the best techniques from leading local experts in real estate and lending. Now, here's your host, Robert Weinberg. Welcome to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. Rob, good morning. Good morning to you. How you doing, Gary? Not too shabby for a Saturday morning. Great to uh, hear your voice. Same for you, man. It's always good to be with you. How was your week? Hey, it's pretty good, and I'm, I'm actually fired up right now because it's like in Connecticut, our real estate market's actually doing pretty darn good compared to some other areas, and we're a shining star, and that's not ordinary for our state, as you know. <laughs> yeah, we're not really a shining star in anything, are we? <laughs> Usually not, but uh, this is one case where, you know, I'm talking to colleagues, I'm talking to people in other markets, especially on the West Coast, and they're seeing like... Not only low inventory, which we're seeing, but they're also seeing prices dropping. They're seeing people running scared. And I'm getting calls in Connecticut from realtors that are entertaining offers, you know, multiple offers over asking price or at. And it's like, we're stable here. And the last time we had these real estate boom and bust cycles, Connecticut was not in a good position. And this time we're actually like in the lead in a lot of areas. So, it's um, you know it's motivating to be in the market here locally, and hopefully that gives a, some of the buyers listening and homeowners like that motivation to move forward. Such a great time if you know how to be positioned. Well, yeah, I mean, it, so w- w- translate this for the buyer and and or seller. Buyer and seller. I mean, if you're a seller, this is the best time to sell your home in decades because of the fact that it's low inventory. So it's like you're going to have pick of the litter when it comes to getting your offer or looking at multiple offers and picking what buyer you want to work with. Um, it's also going to stabilize the price and give you the opportunity potentially to sell your home for a lot more. So there's a lot of sellers right now that are scared because they don't want to give up the ultra low rate that they got on their mortgage, but they can make a killing right now, you know, financially. So you got to weigh the pros and the cons there. And for buyers, it's just there's less competition overall. Yes, there are still multiple offers, but it's three to five offers, not 20 to 30. So it's a big shift from one to two years ago when it was very, very, very different. Um, So I say to all the buyers, people are telling me on a daily basis, oh, I'm going to wait for the rates to stabilize or go down, or I'm going to wait for there to be more inventory. Those are the two biggest things I'm hearing right now. Those are the two biggest mistakes you can make, though. So if the, they always say go against the masses, don't go with the herd. Right. Well, the herd right now is running scared, and they're waiting. They're waiting for rates to come down. They're waiting for inventory to go up. Well, neither of those things are happening in the moment. They're not happening in the next couple of months that we can see, maybe beyond. But now's the time to get position. Now's the time to get your strategy. So when that house does come on, when that seller does put their home on finally, you can be the first offer. You can be the strong one Mm -hmm. that took the initiative. Not the one calling me at, uh, you know, 830 in the morning saying, Rob, I saw a house online. I need to get (laughs) pre-approved to put an offer in today because that doesn't fly. That doesn't work in this market. So let me ask you, if I want to get maximum dollar for my house, should I put it a little under market value or a little more than market value? 
Um, I, I mean, it's all about working with a good realtor that knows your local area and what properties are going for. I would say right now, if you want to create a frenzy, you may be priced it a little bit below. Yeah. That's going to get a lot of attention in the market, and that's going to get you probably multiple offers. Um, and I'm seeing, like, literally this week, multiple offers on a lot of different properties and the properties going over asking price. And that is very unique because in a lot of other areas, that's not what's happening. You know, it's going the other way. Mm. So, of course, this stuff is always changing and it will shift. You know, but it hasn't shifted yet. So for right now, like we're in a very strong position. Take advantage of that as a seller, but use your realtor as your advisor when it comes to pricing. Because they, if they know what they're doing and have a long track record of success, they're going to be able to guide you to say, here's our pricing strategy and here's why we want to do it like this. That's where I would go for your pricing, uh, you know, advice. The, the, the rates are, are high. Do you, I hear that there's going to be yet. I can't believe I'm saying this, but yet another rate hike. Have you heard that? And, and oh, then yeah. when, when you do you know, think they'll yeah. stabilize and maybe go go the other direction, start going down? Um, okay, yeah, I agree with you. Um, it's unfortunate because it looked like as we came out of like December and January, it looked like inflation had turned. It really did. However, unfortunately, there was some manipulation with the most recent reports on inflation. Different story for a different show, but there was definitely some manipulation with the numbers that caused the, it really caused inflation to look even worse than it really is. And that made a pivot. It made it so rates went right back up and, you know, inflation is right back where we were. And it's like not a good scenario for right now. The turning point is, there's a uh, inflation report coming out. I believe it's March 10th. Okay. Okay. March 10th Next is week. the date. So if we can get a good report, you know, these reports are what drives everything. So it's like when we get multiple reports in a row, several months showing inflation going down, that's the sign right there. You're going to see interest rates go down. And when we've had those reports in the past, like back you know, the end of last year, we could see interest rates go down like an eighth to three eighths of a point in one day. Okay. <laughs> that's okay. not normal, but that's just the way it is working right now. So that to me is going to be that pivot point. And you're going to see when that happens, so many buyers come back in and it's going to drive the prices right back up, you know, where there'll be 20, 30 offers on a house. And all that crazy competition that there was when the rates were very, very low during the pandemic. I'm sure you remember that. Oh, yeah. Hey, I thought I saw something. Goodness gracious. It was the tail end. Yes, it was on uh, CNBC or, or Fox Business News. It was one of the business channels. And I actually only saw the tail end of this report. But it was this past week. Is there a federal grant? Um that people can apply for. I guess you receive up to seventy five hundred dollars. I, I, I does this sound anything familiar for for what, home for buyers what? for buying a home? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, that's our topic on next week's uh, show. But um, it's not as good as it sounds. Like anything, it's just smoke and mirrors with the federal government. Yeah, there's a program, but most people don't qualify, so don't get your yeah. hopes up. <laughs> I right. mean. 
that's really what it comes down to. Um, so, but yeah, that's actually next week's topic. Right. So if you're interested in like down payment assistance or information about home buying and down payment options, that's actually what we're going to be talking about. So tune in for sure. But for today's episode, Gary, what I wanted to dive into is something that I've gotten a lot of questions on over the last couple weeks um, from all levels of home buyers, and it's PMI or private mortgage insurance. So many misconceptions out there. So much, so many myths about PMI and whether you should get it or shouldn't and what it is and how it works. So we haven't done a real, you know, deep dive into this. And there's a lot of people searching for this information. So I wanted to be that, you know, knowledgeable expert to give people the real deal when it comes to PMI. The only thing I remember you bringing this up about it, I think it had to do with if you put less than 20% down, that's all I remember. But maybe you can, maybe you can give us uh, a little info as far as when it's required. Yeah, so like you said, 20% down, it, less than 20% down, I should say, on a conventional mortgage. That's going to be one requirement. There's all these different types of loans. So depending on the type of loan you're getting, the requirement's going to be different. On an FHA loan, a federal housing loan, which is really popular with first-time buyers, it's actually always required. Even if you put down 30% or 50% or more, you 100% of the time must have PMI on an FHA loan. Also, USDA loans, those have PMI as well, mm-hmm. both upfront and a monthly PMI. And the one that uh, I love is the VA loan for our veterans. Now, the VA loan only has an upfront PMI. It doesn't have any monthly PMI, so there's no PMI added to your mortgage payment, which is why veterans get the lowest payments, even though they can put very little or no money down. So that's really when it's required on all those type of loans. And on the government ones, like I said, no matter how much money you put down, you're typically going to have to pay it. I'm curious on how it's calculated. I'm um, like, how much is it? How much does it typically cost? So it's a percentage of the loan amount. That's how it's calculated. So it's not a percentage of the price of the house, but the actual amount that you're borrowing, okay, the loan amount. Now, it can vary from as little as like a third of a percent all the way up to 2% or more. Um, And that's of the original loan amount, and it's calculated – typically, um, you know, as an annual amount, and then they divide it by 12 months to put it into your monthly payment. Uh, There's also the upfront PMI that I mentioned. So an upfront PMI is going to be a flat fee that's going to be charged at the closing. It's like an additional closing cost. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, the only PMI, like I said, on VA loans. FHA and USDA both have an upfront and a monthly amount. So you're going to look at it as a home buyer or homeowner as it's part of your monthly mortgage payment. Uh, on most of these loans, like when you're making your payment, it's going to include property taxes, homeowner's insurance, and it's going to be PMI. So you're not writing a separate checkout for this. Mm. Nobody's going to bill you for this directly. It's just going to be rolled in as part of your mortgage payment. So to give you an example here, if you're a 740 credit score putting 3% down on a $360,000 purchase price, your PMI would be about $157 a month. Okay, so some people look at this PMI and are like, oh, my God, this is a death sentence. You've got to stay away from this. When you really look at it as you're avoiding putting a very large down payment and it's only going to cost you another $150 a month in this example, 
you know, to do that. So there's other ways that you can pay the PMI, but most people do choose to go with that monthly amount. Um, you can also pay it up front, but the upfront fees can be quite large, you know, five, 10,000 or more. A lot of the time, if it's going to be paid up front, it'll be negotiated as something maybe the seller will pay for you. So like a seller paid closing cost. A great part of PMI that just happened was last week, FHA actually reduced the PMI. It'll save the average person about $800 a year on their mortgage okay. uh, insurance premium. That just happened last week, which is phenomenal. VA also lowered theirs a couple weeks ago. I'll go into the details on that later. But right now on an FHA loan for the same $360,000 house, your PMI would be about $160 now. But just a month ago, you would have paid $247. For the same loan, so it used to be 247. Now it's 160. Literally, a change that just came up, uh, where it went from 85 basis points, and now it's only 55 basis points. Uh, the last thing I'll mention is the VA zero down amount. So this is something that just changed after April 7th. That's the date. So after April 7th, the VA uh, first use fee will be 2.15 percent of the loan amount, and that's on the first time you use the benefit. Once you've used the VA benefit once, then it's considered a second use or a subsequent use, and you pay a little bit more. So on the VA loan, if you're using it for the second time or greater, you're going to pay 3.3% of the loan amount up front, and that's just rolled into the new mortgage amount. It's financed in. How do you avoid this? I, I, well, I don't want a PMI when obtaining a mortgage. Of course. Well, who would want to pay extra if they don't have to? So there's a couple ways you could avoid it. One is putting more than 20% down and going with a conventional loan. If you do that, you will 100% avoid the PMI there, okay? Mm -hmm. um, if you put less than 20% down but you choose to pay one of these upfront fees, so it's what's called a single premium mortgage insurance, okay. um, that's one way to avoid it. So you give a you know, chunk up front. And then you don't get charged it every month. You just basically pay it up front. Like I said earlier, the seller can pay that PMI for you. They can pay that chunk up front if you negotiate it in. Another seldom used and, and little known option, Gary, is lender paid PMI or LPMI. What lender paid PMI is you don't pay it, the seller doesn't pay it, the lender pays it. Your mortgage uh, company actually pays the PMI for you. Uh, really how that works is they jack the interest rate. Yeah, I was going to say, so, there's no freebies yeah. in life. Right. It's not really free. The interest rate's going to be a little bit higher. But depending on the pricing, it is something that's worth asking about. Because I've seen cases where your interest rate going up might only raise your payment, let's say, $200 a month. And you avoid paying $250 a month in PMI. So there can be a net tangible benefit to doing a lender paid PMI. The thing with these options, you know, what I'm talking about is outside of the box. You need to ask your lender about these options that I'm discussing with you because most will not give them to you unless you ask. The standard PMI is just going to be what's called BPMI, borrower paid monthly PMI. That's going to be the standard. So if you don't ask them about lender paid PMI or single premium or any of these what they call split where you can do part up front and part monthly, like there's all these different combinations that you can do, but 
they're just not going to do it for you. You have to ask, uh, I've found, in my years in the industry. Now, with the non-qualified mortgages, I know in the last couple of shows we've been really talking about non-qualified mortgages, private money, hard money, those type of loans. Mm-hmm. Those don't require PMI. So right. I know there's so, been a lot of questions about that. Those do not require. All right. So I just want to just reiterate something. If you're putting less than 20% down, it's required, uh, the PMI. So here's then here's my follow-up question. What if uh, after a few years, a number of years go by, and you now have equity in your home that exceeds 20% of your mortgage? Does it disappear, or is that for the life of the mortgage? So it it does. There's automatic termination. Um, There's certain guidelines for it to automatically terminate. You can also request it to be terminated once your balance reaches 80% of the original value. Um, but it is something that you ultimately will get out of uh, on most loans, I should say. Like FHA loans, unfortunately, change the guidelines to where if you're putting a very, very low down payment, less than 5%, it will typically have PMI for the entire life of the loan. Obviously, that's an advantage to refinance. But on a conventional mortgage, it's very flexible, and you're going to be able to get rid of it in many cases without even needing to refinance on a conventional. Uh, there's got to be a ton of misconceptions about this, right? I, I would imagine. The, the, I would say the misconception is some people just come from the thought of it's bad, don't do it. Like, you <laughs> don't want it. I remember even my own father telling me, you know, when I was growing up, oh, yeah, we're, we're, we never pay PMI. We always put 20% down. That's what my own father told me. So, you know. Maybe the laws were different then. To me, it didn't make sense, but there's just this old adage, because I think PMI used to be a lot more expensive years ago. Now there's all these different incentives and different, uh, you know, pricing exceptions and things to make it cheaper. And there's a very competitive private market for mortgage insurance. So I think there's this misconception that it's just expensive and it's bad and that there's no benefit to it. Um, uh, people think that, but there's actually tax deductibility in many cases. There is tax deductibility to PMI. Um, people think that it's worth saving up 20% or more just to avoid PMI. Right. Okay. But it's not because think about someone in 2017 that could have bought a house with 5% down and didn't because they were saving up for 20%. Now all of a sudden, the house that they could have bought for three fifty in twenty seventeen, now it's worth five hundred, six hundred thousand, and they just now saved up years later their twenty percent. They missed out, okay? okay? And that's what it's all about, right there. Is you're losing out on the appreciation by waiting to save up twenty percent down. So it's it's really a big uh, misnomer about that. And I've seen it time and time again. You know, people that miss out on great real estate opportunities because they think that they have to do it a certain way or they were told this is the only way to go. Meanwhile, they miss out on a great deal. Folks, you are listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. Of course, you can get more information on this at uh, robgw.com and my scheduling an appointment at 860-413-3938. Again, it's 860-413-3938. And I'll repeat all of those points of contact more towards the very end of the show. Um, How how does the amount of the down payment affect the PMI? You you gave an example of 3% a moment ago. But what if you put down 15%? It's still less than the 20%. 
Right. You know. So PMI is calculated on the loan amount. So the larger down payment means a lower loan amount, which means a lower PMI payment. The other thing is that it's factored like the pricing for the PMI. One of the main factors for risk is how much you're putting down. Obviously, the more you're putting down, the lower risk it is. So generally speaking, like someone putting 10, 15 percent down, 17 percent down, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. The PMI is very, very low. I had a client last week that closed. They had excellent credit and they put 10% down. Their PMI on a $400,000 home was only 38 bucks a month. Okay. So there are circumstances where you'd be like, oh my God, that's nothing. It's like literally less than a dollar a day or somewhere thereabouts. So like, that's a scenario that happens all the time, but a lower down payment doesn't necessarily mean the PMI is going to be high. Like that example I just gave you, if you have really good credit, like 720, 740 or higher, mm-hmm. that's like the shining star of PMI because your amount that you have to pay is so discounted if you have really good credit with these private PMI companies because there's competition. Uh, you know, competition drives the price down. Unfortunately, as everyone knows, when you're dealing with the government, there is no competition. They're the monopoly. So when you're dealing with FHA, there's no competition. What they set the price is the price. When you're dealing with VA, same thing. Every lender, every bank's going to have the exact same price on this stuff. But um, like I was saying earlier, the long-term equity growth in the property, that's the most important part. Way more important than spending 30 bucks, 80 bucks, 120 bucks a month on the PMI. You see? I do. Um, I, I that's that's interesting. Uh, you mentioned credit score a moment ago. I would imagine that has some effect in all of this. It does. Like that's the biggest factor that I've seen on the private market for PMI is the credit score. So, like, the higher your credit score is, the lower your PMI is going to be. It's really that simple. So, I uh, put together a couple examples here. I wrote down so. We're, uh, the same example that I gave earlier, $360,000 purchase price of a home with a 3% down payment, which is, you know, that low first-time buyer type of down payment program. If you have a 740 credit score, your PMI would be $157 approximately per month. If you go down from a 740 to a 700 credit score, it goes up almost $100 a month. It goes from 157 to 248 per month, just by going from a 740 score down to a 700. And then this is where it gets really sickening is go down to a 680 score. Okay. Only putting 3% down on a conventional loan mm-hmm. without any of the other perks or uh, discounts. You're looking at just under $395 a month. Okay, for PMI. So over double what the person with a 740 credit score. This is why, especially with the recent rate reductions we've seen with the FHA PMI, FHA can be a much better and I think will be the dominant mortgage for first-time buyers, especially people that have a credit score anything under 700 now. I, I've only, a, I've only got two minutes. a while, though, Gary, where someone 670, 680, you could you, get in. And it wouldn't be that expensive. Unfortunately, it's gone the other way. Now, FHA's lowered it. Other stuff's going up. It's unfortunate, but that's just the way the market is. You've got to go where it's going to be the best for the client. Rob, I've got less than two minutes. Um, what, the difference between a federal and a private PMI? Well, Federal's going to be more expensive, and, you, you know, there's no market for it. It's just the federal amount, whatever they okay. charge. All right. Um, and it, 
doesn't change based on your credit. Whether you've got a 780 score or a 680 score, you're going to pay the same PMI with the private, or excuse me, with the federally backed mortgages. And uh, the FHA versus conventional, it's going to be much more attractive on the government side when you have a lower credit score. What about tax benefits and paying PMI? So if your adjusted gross income is not over $109,000, then there are tax benefits. So on an average priced home, you could save about $500 to $1,000 per year on your actual amount owed to the IRS, on your tax bill. So it's not nothing, but it's not a life changer, but only for those whose adjusted gross income is not over $109,000. All right. um, I got one minute left. Really quickly, I want to try to get one more question in. the, The PMI, how does it differ from like, let's say, other types of insurances. Do you have a, a short answer yes. to that? So the PMI, what it, it's like, what is the PMI? Who does it protect? It protects the lender in the event of a default. So it's not protecting you who's paying it. It's protecting the lender that lent you the money. So if you as the borrower default on the loan, the lender can file a claim with the PMI company, and they can recover some of the outstanding balance of that mortgage. That makes them more apt to make the loan. It gives them security in making the loan to you, even though you're putting less than that 20% down how frequent do do would you say by percentages do people uh do a pmi as opposed to those who, who are putting uh 20 or more down? i mean if you're talking about first-time buyers i would say 80 percent of first-time buyers i work with wow that uh, many. either use the fha loan or one of the other any loan with a low down payment where they will pay pmi so it's not as common when refinancing i'd say most people refinancing uh, do have, at least right now, because of the growth in equity, at least 20% equity. So other than the government loans, conventional uh, refis will not have PMI generally. Yeah, all right. Um, I, I just, yeah, I, I, I can't imagine. When you started saying a credit score of like 680, and, you know, and you're paying another like over $400, I mean, that's a car payment. I mean, right. that's... Well, You know, Gary, it's all about, we always say on the show, it's all about who you work with, and that's why it can get pretty expensive. Like, if you're going to try to get a conventional mortgage and you've got a lower credit score, it may not be your best option. And this is something that really has shifted just in the last few weeks with the changes in the government PMI amounts, where it's actually like as or more attractive now to do a government loan with the lower credit. When I say lower credit, unfortunately, like nowadays, under 700 is considered lower. Over 700, you got to shop, but less than that, it may be the best option to do a government loan. Besides, if you qualify for one of the first-time buyer initiatives, like Home Ready, Home Possible, or one of these uh, government-sponsored like first-time buyer programs where they discount the PMI. The numbers I've talked about on this show today are not based on any discount, and they're only based on one mortgage insurance provider that I priced with mm-hmm. just for the examples on this show. Now, you, you definitely then, if you can put 20% minimum down um, or <laughs> or at least have a credit score that's in the high sevens or, or into the eights, uh, more power to you. Folks, you've been listening uh, to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast. Let me give you some points of, uh, of contact. Of course, uh, if you would like more information on this topic or any of the others that we've covered on this show, simply go to robgw.com. Again, that's rob, R-O-B-G-W.com. By the way, if you'd like to email this show, maybe even get a question answered on these very airwaves, uh, it's very easy to do. Simply email Mortgage Matters Radio Show at gmail. 
Com. And the phone number, because I know you're going to want to make an appointment with Rob, it's 860-413-3938. I'll repeat that for you. Write it down. I'll say it a little bit slowly. 860-413-3938. For Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. Thank you so much for listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast. Until next Saturday morning, have a good one, everybody. So long. Thanks for listening. If you have questions about the information we've covered or would like to discuss mortgage financing for your situation, you can reach Robert Weinberg by visiting www.robgw.com.